Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is another edition of our Unsung Hoopers, but this time we're going to talk about the NBA. So we're going to talk about three players who are Unsung Hoopers outside of the current top eight standings for both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. So, Jalen, who is your first NBA unsung hooper? Man, so we're going to start in the Eastern Conference, and you know I got to pick my boy, Kobe White, for the Chicago Bulls. Now, everybody should know, if you check me out on Instagram, check us out on Misfit TV on YouTube, tune into the Hoop Talk podcast every week. You know that your boy has this thing for Zach Levine. I think he should be an all-star. He should be an all-star game. But with all this infatuation with Zach Levine, I think it's being completely swept under the rug that Kobe White is playing his little tail off in year two. I think that Kobe White might be the second most improved player behind R.J. Barrett in terms of taking steps from year one to year two from last season's rookie class. I think that you can arguably throw guys like DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish in that mix. Shout out to, uh, shout out to Hawks. But I think that Kobe White is balling right now. Average of 15.3 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, 5.2 assists. If you want to put that in perspective, bro, he is averaging double the amount of assists that he averaged last season and nearly double the amount of rebounds. The other thing that really stands out to me is that he's shooting 44% from twos and he's still shooting 35% from three, despite taking two more attempts or nearly two point two more attempts per game. So I think the fact that he is improving slowly as a shooter, the fact that he is still one of the better young finishers in the league around the rim for a shorter player. Um, not really shorter players, six, six, six foot five. He fits the he fits the position. But you know what I mean? He plays a lot smaller than he actually is with the fact that he focuses a lot on creating contact inside. He plays with so much speed, so much faster. He looks so much faster than he actually that he or he is so much faster than he actually looks. And I think that Kobe White, I mean, hey, look, I was a little bit lower on this pick when it came through. Wasn't super hype about Kobe in this draft, despite being a UNC bro. Shout out to UNC bros. But I think that Kobe in year two is balling. He's only 20. And next to next to Zach Levine, I think you could argue he's our second best player right now, which I think should put guys like Laurie Markinen on watch because we're trying to get better in the trade deadlines coming up. And as far as I'm concerned, Kobe White is an untouchable. I'll cap that off by saying this. Zach Levine is an all-star. Pass this over to you, Ryan. I was actually kind of expecting you to pick Zach Levine. I don't know why, but I I just come to expect after 138 (laughs) episodes of doing the Hoop Talk podcast with you, Jalen, 
I expected Zach Levine to be brought up more than you've already mentioned today, but <laughs> interesting that you go with Kobe White. I think that I, I wasn't I wasn't too high on the selection either, and I think that he's proving a lot of us wrong, including myself. I think that you know he stepped up big for the Chicago Bulls, and I originally thought that he was going to be like a sixth man of the year candidate coming off the bench, but he's turning out to be a lot more than that. He's giving Chicago a lot of scoring production outside of Zach Levine. And I think that this team can honestly get better from here, especially with guys like Zach Levine, just building the franchise around him. And then Kobe white playing at the level that he's playing at right now. I think that Chicago could be a dangerous team in the long run. My first unsung Hooper is Malik Beasley from Minnesota. Malik Beasley is averaging 20 points a game, averaging five rebounds, two assists a game. He's shooting close to 46% from the field and 36% from three. This is an interesting selection because Minnesota as a team only has five wins this year, mainly due to the fact that Carl Anthony Towns has only played four games this year. But Malik Beasley has just decided that this year, he's just going to go off for 20 and five and put himself in the running for an already loaded most improved player list given what he's done this season just looking at some of the statistics that he's had in the past five games for example against golden state 25 points and five rebounds against philadelphia 22 points and five rebounds against cleveland 23 points and three rebounds and he shot close to 53 percent from the field and 45 percent from three and against san antonio 29 points and six rebounds in a close loss. I think that it's interesting because we're kind of expecting these types of numbers out of D'Angelo Russell. He is putting up these types of numbers, but Malik Beasley, this is, this kind of comes as a surprise because he just signed a huge three-year contract with the team. So that means he's going to be, he's their long-term answer at the shooting guard position. And I think it's almost interesting because it's unexpected. And that's why I think he's an unsung Hooper is because he's putting up great performances when nobody's really expecting him to. I mean, for example, he dropped 30 points against Golden State on January 25th. And the next game against Golden State, like I mentioned earlier, he put up 25 and 5. I don't think it's really about how he's doing this how surprised we are that he's putting up these types of numbers. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Malik Beasley is really interesting. So when I do fantasy coverage on Fridays for, for some of the games that are played, Malik Beasley is always a player that's in it in terms of standout player for each game. Cause you have to pick out at least one or two players for each team, line up their statistics and why they were a standout player within their games. Anytime Minnesota plays on Friday, Malik Beasley is always the one. Um, I've had more Malik Beasley nights on Fridays than I've had D'Angelo Russell nights. For what's that? What's that worth? Um, I've also had a lot more Malik Beasley nights than I've had guys like Jared Culver, for example. For example, who is a guy who was supposed to be a promising wing prospect out of Texas Tech last season hasn't really showed us very much you know what I mean it's kind of one of those things that's a little unfortunate 
another guy who doesn't come up often when I cover Minnesota games for that stuff is they don't really get very much from their number one overall pick in Anthony Edwards either. So is it unprecedented that he's doing what he's doing? Or does the stunted growth of those two guys indicate that he's doing exactly what we anticipate? I think there's a question as to whether or not he's really a help or a hindrance for this team. I agree that he's an unsung hooper because he's dramatically consistent, dramatically consistent across the board. Like I said, every Friday, if Minnesota plays, he's on my list because he's he's a walking 20 and five. He's a walking 20 and five. He also doesn't really assist the ball very much. And it's very empty calorie stats because, like you said, they're not very good. I know we're talking about the bottom eight here, but as a guy who puts up those kind of consistent stats, he's almost like he's almost like putting up Bradley Beal level numbers without the without the cachet. Not literally Bradley Beal, because you know that that's the dude's leading the league in scoring right now. You can't mess with bro. But I mean, in terms of being able to put up big numbers for a team at the bottom of the standings and kind of going under the radar as a team and as a player simply because of circumstances. So I think that Malik Beasley is one of those players that coming from Denver in that trade, we weren't anticipating to take a significant jump, but we thought he would be better with the ball more in his hands in Minnesota. I just didn't know they were going to put the ball in his hands this much. And I always kind of saw him being resigned as a little bit questionable, especially with them having a full, a guard forward that they picked up in the early stages of the draft last season, and then getting another guard forward player at the very top of the draft. So the fact that a lot of their talent all comes from the same position, they have a bit of a log jam there, but Hey man, Beasley's the standout at the position, and it might be stunting the growth of the young guys right now, but shoot, it's creating entertaining basketball for Minnesota in the meantime. So can't say there's anything wrong with it, but the boy's doing his thing. So Jalen, who is your second unsung hooper? So I guess if we're going to flip over to the Western Conference, I got to go another one of the homies, and this one hurts my heart because I wish I was saying it for the East and not the West. But it's the homie John Wall, bro. It's the homie John Wall. He is part of a Houston Rockets team right now that is first overall in defense since trading James Harden. I'm going to repeat that again. First overall in defense since trading James Harden. I'm not saying James Harden is a traffic cone or anything, but hey, man, there got to be something going on for this team to jump out defensively like that by getting rid of one player. Maybe it's the effort. Maybe it's the chemistry. Maybe it's the continuity. I'm not really sure what the circumstances are. Nonetheless, John Wall has a lot to do with it. Obviously, the easy person to point to in all of this is Christian Wood. Shout out Christian Wood. Hope that he starts feeling a little bit better in the coming days. And MRI is, MRI is supposed to come out sometime soon. We're recording this on the 5th. The injury took place the other night. So, unfortunately, that is going to be a big question mark. P.J. Tucker is still in question in terms of what is going to go on with him prior to the trade deadline. But he has a lot to do with why they're a top, um, a top defense in the league as well. But if we're focusing strictly on John Wall, 18.2 points per game, 3.8 rebounds per game, 5.9 assists per game. And let's take a look 
at the fact that he is averaging a steal per game, nearly a block per game, and he's doing something that I didn't even know John Wall was capable of doing. He's shooting almost 40% from three-point land. This is the John Wall that we've all been waiting for. The John Wall that can show off the athleticism, the speed, the hustle plays on defense, and gets better at shooting the three ball. Ryan, this is his best three-point shooting performance since 2017-2018 season. Looking at it beyond that, he shot better than he's shooting better this year than he did that year. And no other season has he shot around 30. I mean, no other season has he shot, you know, around this clip. This is pretty much the best shooting performance year he's had since being in the league. I'm talking about a five time all star year. Then you throw in the fact that he's also shooting 46.5% from the two-point range. And to top things off, he's shooting a cool 43% from the floor. Improved three-point shooter, showing off his athleticism, which means that the injuries are slowly starting to be pushed behind him. The Rockets look really good with Victor Oladipo in the lineup. Eric Gordon has been playing relatively well as a scoring option for them as well. Christian Wood looks as promising as I thought he was going to be signing with Houston. And DeMarcus Cousins is still giving them quality minutes as well. So I think the homie John Wall is doing actually pretty swell for the Houston Rockets right now. And you know, that comes to pose the question. We don't cuss on the Hoop Talk podcast, so I'm not going to do it. But why in the world do we have Russell Westbrook on the Washington Wizards right now? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. I said this before, and I'll say it again, just in case we haven't mentioned it already. I am wrong, and I was wrong, about this John Wall-Russell Westbrook trade. And never have I ever seen more evidence than what I've seen out of John Wall so far to this point this season. This is what we're expecting from him when he was in Washington. He's doing everything of what we expected of him on a different team that is arguably much better than the Washington Wizards as well. The supporting cast is essentially DeMarcus Cousins Christian Wood, who hopefully, again, gets healthy because he's he's an amazing player to watch. But Christian Wood's also an all-star candidate. And John Wall could become, I believe, was a six-time all-star? Potentially. So, I think potentially. he's in the running in the Western Conference. I think he's in the running. So that there's a chance. And I think that John Wall, honestly, I, I think he's he's everything – that we've expected of him when he's healthy. He's making Washington regret this trade. And I think that in the long run, it's going to hurt Washington. And this is so tough to see because as a Washington fan, Jalen, you're probably wondering why did this have to happen to your team? And it's unfortunate. 
Russ is no slouch. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. I don't want anybody thinking I got this. There's no Russ slander on HTP, bro. Like Russell Westbrook is still one of my five best favorite players ever. Still have a poster of Russell Westbrook with me. Like that's the homie. But at the same time, in terms of this team, John Wall has been more available. And he's been significantly productive on this team on both sides of the floor, playing at a really high level. And he's improved a little bit. Like I said, he's shooting the best percentages from three in his career this year so far. So, I mean, Russell Westbrook can hit a dagger three to win a game against Brooklyn and get everybody turned up about it. But in the reality, we've just seen more from John Wall over the totality of this season than we've seen from Russell Westbrook so far. I could be proven completely wrong. It's only been a couple of games in. We're about a fourth of the way through, maybe about a little bit over a fourth of the way through. But Right now, John Wall is making the Houston Rockets look really smart for taking them. My second unsung hooper is Julius Randle from the New York Knicks. Now, Jalen, I've been trying to avoid talking about the New York Knicks because I don't like the way that you call me out and think that I'm a fan of the New York Knicks. And for some reason, I just you you must think I have a Patrick Ewing jersey under my shirt or in my closet. I don't know. But here's the thing. All jokes aside, the New York Knicks look like a legitimate team for the first time in over seven years. And it's mainly because of a guy named Julius Randle, who's averaging 22.6 points a game, 10.9 rebounds, close to 11, which is actually ninth in the NBA. But the most surprising statistic is that he's averaging six assists a game. Not only that, but he's shooting 47.5% from the field and close to 40% from three. Jalen, he's a lock for an all-star pick. Let me tell you why for a second. Number one, he put up 13 double-doubles this year. How many games have the New York Knicks played so far? I think like 23 or something like that. So in 13 of those games, he's put up a double-double. Very impressive. Second of all, as I look at the last couple of games that he's played, I'll, I'll look at the past three games, which were two against Chicago, one against the Clippers. 27, 12, and five against the Clippers. And then 23, 11, and seven against Chicago the first time. 27, 6, and 6 against Chicago the second time. Not to mention something I didn't even mention when I was talking about his statistics. The past two games, he's put up two steals a game. He's become a versatile defender. And I think that these are these are interesting considering the fact that in the Chicago game, he shot five of seven from three. I would not have expected Julius Randle to shoot five of seven from three in a game, let alone average close to 40% from three. But this is what we've come to expect from NBA big men. We've expected them to shoot threes efficiently and expand their game just outside of playing inside, playing in the post, attacking the glass. We expect them to expand it, shoot efficiently on the perimeter, shoot efficiently in the mid range. I think Julius Randle has evolved into one of the best power forwards in the league. And I feel like there's a reason why we put 
Julius Randle in our top 10 Eastern Conference power forwards, it's because he's playing like a top 10 Eastern Conference power forward. Honestly, I know all-star voting just came out with the totals. Julius Randle has to be in that conversation to possibly be a lock as an all-star, especially with the way he's playing. Yeah, I think with Julius Randle, the biggest thing is that people need to understand this is not some kind of blip. This is this is a trend. This has been something that's been taking place for a little while. You mentioned some of the most recent games. I'm going to go back to some of the some of the older games, some of the games in the middle of January. The, he, he had a legitimate four game stretch that like did not make any sense to me. This was nuts against Boston on January 17th. He had 20 and 12 shot 50 percent from the floor that night against Orlando. He had 21 and 17. Shot five of 19, but went to the line like a million times. Against Golden State, he had 16, 17, and nine assists. Nuts, nuts what was going on with that. And then against Sacramento on January 22nd, 26 and 15. Shot just barely over, just barely under 50% from the floor, along with four assists in that game. Like, He's doing something that is extremely unprecedented from what he was kind of projected to be. In L.A., he was kind of a really big bully ball kind of player who relied extremely on his physicality underneath the rim. He would use his physical frame to box out, get big boy rebounds, never really could create, didn't really have any post moves, kind of got everything off the bounce. And this was through the slow transitions of the pick and roll becoming like the most dynamic offensive move in the NBA or the most dynamic NBA like play set, I guess you could say. This season, he's a facilitator. He's a rebounder. He's a nice help side team defender, which is which touches on what you meant about him um, and his steals per game. He's a really good help defender and a good, really good team defender on one of the better New York Nick defenses and, uh, and overall one of the better NBA defenses in the league right now. I mean, he's doing a little bit of everything. I agree with you, honestly. I mean, look, if Clay Thompson could get 99,000 votes for the all-star game and not play a single dribble, I think Julius Randle could get some votes. I don't know if he makes it in Eastern conference is still pretty loaded at each position. And I think that he's in a really unique spot where I think if he can get the Knicks, you know, at least into the top eight seed wise before the all-star game hits and before the all-star all-star votes close. If you watch Knicks basketball, I think you can easily make a make a case for Julius Randle in that spot. Which makes things really interesting because I think that he's also the key to whether or not they're a playoff team. I think that if Julius Randle keeps this up legitimately, RJ Barrett continues to make his uptick and other guys on the team like Austin Rivers and Alfred Payton give them consistent minutes. I think they could be an all, I think they could be a legit playoff team. I don't know how dangerous they would be in the playoffs. That's the tricky part. But I think that with Julius Randle steering the ship, I think that the New York Knicks, it's weird to say this, but I think they're a legit playoff. I think I think the, the, their their floor is the play in. I think no matter what at the end of this season, they're going to have a shot at the 8 seed regardless. Jalen, I don't think I'm giving enough credit to Julius Randle. Let's go back farther than that four-game stretch that you were talking about. On December 29th against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Julius Randle put up 28 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. 
he had a triple double and I just, I completely glossed over that. But then I look at two other games after that against the Pacers on January 2nd, he almost had another triple double, 12 points, 11 rebounds and eight assists. And then the game after that against the Atlanta Hawks, 28 points, 17 rebounds and nine assists. He's putting up these great performances against teams that actually have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs this year. Cleveland, possible underrated contender. Pacers, dark horse to possibly win the Eastern Conference. The Atlanta Hawks, before the season, we penciled them in as possible playoff contenders. He's putting up these types of numbers against great teams. Imagine what he's going to do in the playoffs for a seven-game series. I think that's what I'm most impressed about with him. Let's move on to our third unsung hooper. Who is your third unsung hooper in the NBA? So for me, this guy is in the category with other guys like Drew Holiday for me on this podcast. That's like very dear and dear to my heart in terms of being a guy who gets buckets, does his job, and is very productive for his team, regardless of what the outcome of the game is. And that's Harrison Barnes for the Sacramento Kings. This team is on the uptick slowly, though. De'Aaron Fox, all-star caliber guard, young guy. Tyrese Halliburton has honestly been better than advertised. Like, in clutch moments, he's, like, basically in the clutch points of the game, basically the last two minutes of any ball game, he is either first or second among rookies in basically every stat. I'll repeat that again. Basically first or second amongst rookies in every stat related to clutch related to clutch moments in games meaning the final two minutes of ball games talk about being like above your years in terms of being a legitimate plug and play player he's a guy who shows up in big moments has already hit some key threes down the stretch of games won games like that um, I think there was a game specifically against Toronto where he was the one who hit the dagger three to close the game out off of a, a, a very interesting offensive rebound. But Harrison Barnes, man, 17.2 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 3.6 assists. And I don't even think it fully like tells the full story of like what Harrison Barnes has been for this team so far this season. If we just look at the last couple of games in particular, I'm going to point out a couple that are like more so stand out, uh, that more so stand out 24, five and six against Boston. Most recently 24, eight and four against new Orleans. He had a hiccup against Miami with only 11, but then against Toronto in that game that I mentioned beforehand, he had 26, seven and five against Orlando, 21, five and four New York, 21 8 and 7 like notice I'm I'm when I'm reading these off he's getting at least like 4 to 5 rebounds and or assists along with the fact that he's walking around with his chest out with at least 20 to 25 points per game now I know he's averaging 17.2 points per game but that's because he has hiccups like 5 points against the clippers a really tough defensive team or 7 points against new orleans even earlier in the year Stuff like that obviously hurts his overall average, but more times than not, his retract to the mean is actually closer to 20 points per game than it is 15 to 17 points per game. And he's probably been one of the most consistent players for this team. 
despite all the Marvin Bagley III situations going on with him being a possible trade chip before the trade deadline, this team has actually been playing really hard. And along with De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, who are arguably, you know, two of the better players in their positions, De'Aaron Fox in terms of being one of the better young guards on the uptick, and Tyrese Halliburton arguably being number one in the rookie of the year race, despite the fact that I think most people believe it's LaMelo Ball. And I tend to agree, but I think Tyrese Halliburton has a legitimate case at number one right now. Harrison Barnes kind of gets lost in that mix. And I think he might actually be their most productive player. I think what's interesting is that on one of our previous episodes, we mentioned that Harrison Barnes actually has played his best basketball with the Sacramento Kings. And it's interesting because he was on a championship-winning Golden State Warriors team, and then he went to Dallas. So that's two coaches in Steve Kerr and Rick Carlisle who have both won championships. And there's two great systems that seem to always be the reason why the teams get into the playoffs. I mean, Steve Kerr has Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant. Rick Carlisle has had Dirk Nowitzki. He's had Jason Terry. He now has Luka Doncic and uh, Chris Porzingis. It just seems like great players are coming out of these systems. And then you think like Harrison Barnes on the Sacramento Kings with the current coaching system under Luke Walton, but it's working out for Harrison Barnes because he's playing out the best numbers of his career ever since he entered the NBA. So that's a good selection, Jalen. And my last unsung Hooper is Shea Gilgis Alexander from Oklahoma city. And he's averaging 22 points a game, five rebounds and six assists. He's obviously had the keys to the franchise. He's been given the keys to the franchise. And I think that, he's making the most of the opportunity that's been given given to him. And it shows the last five games to close out the month of January, 30 points and eight assists against the Clippers, 23 points, six rebounds and seven assists against the Clippers. Again, 24 points, nine rebounds, six assists, two blocks and a steal against Portland. 21 points, seven rebounds, eight assists, two blocks and two steals against Phoenix and then 24 points, four rebounds, five assists and a block against the Brooklyn Nets. I think the interesting thing for Oklahoma city is that this team has the possibility of making that playoff run that they had last year with Chris Paul. And I think that it's interesting because this is a fairly young team led by Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's only 22 years old. And he's been given the keys of this team so early that I feel like people might have been a little worried that it might have been too early. I think that this is the right time because he is now on a team that I feel like now has full control where they have the capability to make the playoffs again. And it's fairly the same roster. Of course, they traded away Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Dennis Schroeder, and um, Steven Adams, but this roster, it's actually quite similar if you think about it, considering that you know they have Al Horford, they have George Hill, who are two veterans, and then 
you know, you have up and coming players like Darius Basley and Hamadou Diallo who are giving them good minutes. So I think there's, there's that right combination of experience and playmaking that I feel like it's really going to help Oklahoma city try to make another playoff run. Um, so I think with, with Oklahoma city and Shea in general, like, first of all, Shea is like my favorite guard out of this draft. And obvious, like outside of John Moran, he's literally like my favorite player in the NBA right now. Like, like favorite overall, I have a top five. He is in it as of right now in terms of favorite players overall in the league right now. And he just has such a really smooth game. I think that he's one of the better young guards on the uptick. I think something to touch on with Shea that's more important than anything to me is let's talk about the, you know me, I love talking about progression. And this is one of like the definitions of like a player that has made upticks every single season. You look at him being drafted to the Clippers in 2018 in that draft class. And he's a bench guard coming off for Patrick Beverly, trying to make the most out of his minutes, plays in all the games, but it's mainly coming off the bench. And he's averaging 10.8 points per game, 3.3 assists per game, 2.8 rebounds. Regular rotational guard playing behind a veteran lineup with guys like Tobias Harris at the time. Obviously, Danilo Gallinari still um, got guys of that caliber. Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly being his, his old heads at the, uh, at the position. It's kind of obvious that he's going to come into the league slowly. Gets moved to Oklahoma City. You're a part of a three-guard lineup with arguably one of the best facilitators in the league and in NBA history and Chris Paul and a guy in Dennis Schroeder, who is a bucket getter, big shot taker, big shot maker coming from an Atlanta team that he felt wasn't equipped to give him the kind of playoff chances that he felt other teams could, could give him. And I don't know that Oklahoma city was the team he was thinking of, but it ended up being just the kind of team that put him on the map before going to LA Last year, as a part of a three-guard rotation, he averaged 19 points per game, still 3.3 assists, but jumped up to 5.9 rebounds per game. This year, keys to the car is you, is Lucas Dort, is Darius, Darius Baisley, Hamadou Diallo, sprinkle of George Hill, who's actually not even healthy right now. I think he's out for the next three to four weeks. You got guys like Isaiah Roby getting big minutes at center, which is like, hey, you know, whatever. You got a couple of the homies from overseas that are getting some minutes in the league, despite the fact that I think they probably need some time in the G League more so. And he's, he's averaging 21 points per game, nearly 22 points per game, 6.3 assists per game, and he's averaging 5.3 rebounds. But that's not even the most impressive part. From the floor, he went from 47.6%, goes to 47.1% last year. He's up to 51.2% from the floor this year. He's shooting better from three-point land than he did in his past two years, and he's shooting better from two his last two years, despite having a significantly higher usage rate. He's doing better with more time. Rather than having more shots and more opportunities to, to fail, he's using more shots and more opportunities to succeed. Now, I know we just talked about the New York Knicks a little bit earlier when we're talking about when we're talking about Julius Randle. I'm sure they would really much rather have a guy in Shea Gilgis Alexander than the guy that they took, Kevin Knox. 
Tell me as you got Kevin Knox and you got RJ Barrett with Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson down low and a guy like Austin Rivers giving you minutes at two guard. Scary team. Scary team. The Knicks are still, you know, Knicks are still serviceable this year. Don't get it twisted. But I think if you could put Shea Gilders-Alexander in that, in that lineup, I mean, hey, Shea is doing really well with a lineup that's not really conducive to going to the playoffs this year. They could make a playoff run. They scared us last year by catching that slipping, but they were also built a little bit better. You tell me that he's a part of this New York team in the East. Boy, I <laughs> – I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to mess with them in the first round if I if if I were a first or a second seed in the uh in the Eastern Conference. But if we're just talking about what he's done for Oklahoma City, smooth is one of the smoothest players in the game, and he is doing his thing for a team that I think is going to ascend quickly. Please get Kay Cunningham. So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who is your NBA unsung hooper? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.